Hi, and welcome to For the Love of Brantford. This is a bonus episode with the full interview between myself, Sila, and Dr. Brenda Murphy. We speak about what sustainable development might look like. Could you please introduce yourself and tell us about what you do? Hi, uh, so as I said, I'm uh, Dr. Brenda Murphy. I am a professor at Laurier Brantford in the social and environmental justice program, as well as in the social justice and community engagement grad programs. I'm the program coordinator for both of those programs. Uh, So I've been uh, at Brantford for 20 years and have seen a lot of changes over over that time. Can you tell us what you know about new development in the Brantford area? So, I mean, I'm going to just preface this by saying that I don't live in Brantford. So what I know is mostly coming from uh, an outsider perspective. I can give you a little bit of of information. So one of the interesting pieces about Brantford is uh, the way that the community has really turned around in the last 20 years since I've been there. It's it's an area of growth. There's almost 100,000 people. It's considered to be an urban growth center in terms of Ontario's Places to Grow Act. And so there's a lot of interest in uh, what we call intensification. So not making the uh, footprint of Brantford larger in terms of encroaching on farmland, but in terms of making us, you know, helping us use the land more efficiently. So including things such as can we uh, revamp the brownfields? So if you think of the big Greenwich Mohawk brownfield, which is the former Massey-Ferguson land, how, you know, that land is being, uh, you know, repurposed and uh, cleaned up so that we can uh, make use of all of the land that's available in Brantford. And uh, Brantford's a leader on sort of brownfields redevelopment and, and uh, kudos for them to doing, for doing a lot of work in that area. So, you know, Brantford is, is growing in terms of um, homes. It's growing in terms of commercial opportunities. It's growing in terms of industrial opportunities. And then, of course, it's also growing in terms of that knowledge uh, uh, industry, which is, uh, you know, the universities and related kind of activity. So lots and lots happening in, in Brantford and uh, lots of movement forward in terms of uh, growth. What should we be considering in terms of climate change when undergoing new development? So climate change has a couple of things we need to be thinking about. There's the, the mitigation of the greenhouse gases. So those are the greenhouse gases that cause the, the global warming and cause the, the hot spells, the intense cold spells, the dry spells, the tornadoes, the wind events, all of that stuff. So we really want to be concerned with those greenhouse gas emissions. And so that's the mitigation side of getting that um, those pollutants out of the air, that carbon dioxide and uh, other pollutants out of the air. So we, how do we how do we deal with that? But then there's also that we know that regardless of whether or not we do anything about climate change, that we do 100% of everything we could do about climate change today, we're going to have to deal with some of the impacts. So how are we going to adapt to, to the climate change that is here and is inevitable, even if we somehow magically to, you know, manage to reduce our emissions. So we need to be looking at both sides of those things. So um, again, just looking um, very high end uh, from what's happening in Brantford, um, I can see that they've developed a, a corporate greenhouse gas emission uh, pollution targets document, which is looking to get uh reductions down to a net zero by 2050. So on the mitigation side, there's lots of work around 
you know, re, you know, uh, thinking about the kinds of vehicles the city has on the road, the, the types of efficiency in buildings, making water and wastewater management more efficient, uh, uh, moving away from um, gas-fired engines, thinking about uh, uh, streets and uh, traffic lights and buses and all of those kinds of things. So there's, there's a whole sort of uh, plan, if you go to the website, that's about the corporate greenhouse gas uh, emission strategies. And that's brand new. That's just coming on, on, on uh, uh, kind of being uh, rolled out right now. The other thing that Brantford is doing is, uh, I think for your listeners, it would be, this is going to be very interesting, is they're looking to do a, a survey of what community residents want. And so there is a community link. If you go to the uh, to the Brantford uh, site, there is a link there for that survey so that residents can participate in terms of what they would like to see on the community side. Um, so, but that again, as I say, is mostly focused on that mitigation of greenhouse gases. How do we get that pollution out of the air? How do we start producing that um, that pollution? But the problem is, is that we're stuck with the, the pollution that's in the air right now for the next few hundred years, at least, if not more. So what are we going to do about the changes, you know? So that big rain event that we had just uh, two weeks ago, um, that's an example of an intense rainfall that, you know, is quite uncommon, but we're going to see more of those things. This intense heat that we've had. Um, they're looking at, you know, temperatures going up to, you know, 39 degrees, not being unusual. In, in our area. So how are we gonna deal with those sorts of things? So that's gonna be the adaptation side. So how are we going to do things like, think about what are we gonna do with uh, water runoff? How are we going to manage flooding in those low lying areas? How are we gonna make sure that the communities and the folks that live in those low lying areas are flood proofed? Um, how are we going to deal with folks that don't have proper ventilation, don't have air conditioning in the summertime? And we're usually talking about poor, marginalized, perhaps elderly, sometimes disabled, single parent. So how are we going to help all of those various people to cope and adapt to what is likely to be um, some difficult conditions over time? And, and how is the city more generally going to adapt to all of those conditions? So that's going to be a huge kind of uh, concern that we have. And, and, and but, but I think if we're looking kind of going forward, this is where I think not just Brantford, because Brantford is doing a whole lot of stuff and, and great. It's wonderful. It's a wonderful start. But there's this, this idea of moving towards what we call a just transition. So how can we do climate change mitigation and climate change adaptation in a way that really focuses on those people and groups and organizations that perhaps have left behind. So when you're thinking about, say, for instance, um, mitigation around uh, buses, can we make sure that those new bus routes or however that system of public transportation works takes into consideration the needs of those who are less likely to have cars? Can we be thinking about um, as I said, that ad adaptation side for those for those kinds of communities. Um, and I think that's the piece that not just not just Brantford, but generally it's that's been a slower go in terms of thinking about that that justice piece. And so when we think about environmental environmental justice and we're thinking about sort of those future generations of people that are going to live here, what is that going to look like for them? What are the things that the people today are going to need in order to thrive 
And then what is that going to look like in 10 years, 20 years, 50 years, 100 years? When we build infrastructure, when we, this is, this is a golden opportunity. When we're, you know, there's money available for climate change right now to do different kinds of infrastructure work, to think about the future. This is an opportunity for consultation with the community. How do we design that with justice in mind for the future? So not just does it make it better so that, you know, commercial vehicles can get around, but how do we make it better for people? How do we make it better for communities? How do we make it better uh, for those, uh, for single parents, for children, for disabled people? All of those things. This is a golden opportunity that we have now as we work to redesign our infrastructure. How do we think about that in the future? And, And the other piece that I really think we have to be thinking about is that those folks that are most affected by all of this stuff climate change mitigation, climate change adaptation, need to be brought to the table to have a say. It can't be somebody from on high coming in and saying, I think this is what will work. Those folks that have, you know, have a lot of local knowledge, they know what works, they know what doesn't work, they know what the the, the challenges are, they know what their strengths are. Those people need to be at the table to be able to help design whatever that future is going to look like. I think that's a really, really important piece. And I think that includes youth and children to some extent. So whether or not it's interacting with them directly in terms of maybe some of the older ones, perhaps it's working with parents to help talk about where they see, you know, the future for their children and their grandchildren, that kind of thing. But I think that intergenerational piece is something that's really been left behind that we need to be thinking about in terms of climate change. The other piece that we really need to be thinking about in terms of of recognition is um, if we're thinking about a just transition and we're thinking about environmental justice is we really do have to consider that this land was not ours. I'm I'm doing this interview on uh, September 29th. Tomorrow is Orange Shirt Day or the Day of um, Reconciliation. And I think um, there needs to be uh, very thoughtful thinking about about this land, about ownership of this land, about the management of this land, about thinking about who speaks for this land, and about how do we move forward uh, in allyship with our, our First Nations uh, partners. And I think there's a lot of teachings from from the Indigenous perspective uh, that we, that is useful, but it's it's much deeper than that. It really has to do with recognition of that 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 we're all treaty people and that we're all on this land um, together and that we need to kind of find a way forward on that front so i think that would be another really important piece as well with keeping all of that in mind like so how can we grow our communities while still respecting the individuals within a community and the surrounding environment um, and doing that in a sustainable way yeah i mean i think one of the very first things that we have to do is we have to put the kinds of processes in place that allow those who are who want to be involved to to get involved so there has to be uh, participatory processes in place that's one of the pillars of uh, environmental justice is you have to involve the people uh, and communities and you have to recognize the various people and communities and, and bring them all together make sure that they have a say and it's not just some sort of okay we checked that box but really acknowledge the wisdom that's coming from those communities and if it is the kinds of uh, knowledge that perhaps and wisdom that doesn't quite jive with maybe a traditional vision of what a uh, of what a community future should look like um that's you know that still should be considered it it, it shouldn't be just a status quo there should be movement for 
the, the wisdom from, from different points of view to, to help shape what the future will look like. So, and I think that's, that's a really important part of it. So it, it's hard for me to, um, to give specifics. I mean, you know, of course we can do things such as we can go back to, you know, the United Nations and look at the, you know, the 17 markers of what does sustainability look like? We can use those as markers of, of thinking about, you know, no more, no more poverty, dealing with climate change, um, uh, you know, uh, potable water, healthy soils. We can look at all of those as markers of what sustainability could look like in the future. Of course, that's there. Uh, but in terms of how does that play out right in Brantford, I think that's really something for the people of Brantford to sort out and to, to find a way that is locally relevant and locally makes sense in an inclusive kind of way. So a very community-driven approach. Yes, yes, you said it better than me. Yes, a very community-driven approach as opposed to a top-down approach. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you for listening to this episode of For the Love of Brantford. And thank you to Dr. Brenda Murphy for sharing thoughts on how to involve the community in future development projects. You can find all the episodes at brantfordlibrary.ca slash FLB. This will include show notes where we list references, share images, and provide resources to continue your exploration of Brantford. We would love to hear from you if you have a question. Just fill out a form on our website. This podcast is a partnership with the Eagle Place Community Association, the Brant Historical Society, and the Brantford Public Library. Your hosts are Mandy Samwell, Nathan Etherington, and Zila Ozols. For more information about the podcast, visit brantfordlibrary.ca slash FLB.